0: Amen. Blessed you, Adonai, our God, King of the Universe, who has sanctified us with His commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the House of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to His people, Israel. And blessed you, Adonai, our God, King of the Universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave us His Torah. Blessed you you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. Amen. Well, we, we want to first uh, welcome the two not-so-young uh, Lensmeyer men who are uh, studying along with us. Their parents are away. Mm. And uh, they're supposed to be watching. Of course, they could be playing cookie, but uh, they it's hard, hard to believe that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hard to believe that would be true. And uh, of course, David McDonald and the uh, rest of the folks up in, uh, in Canada were grateful for that. So, um, to answer Greg's question, we are still in the midst of chapter 11, and uh, we were about to uh, step up to the, uh, the concept of two things one was uh, kosher food. And the hair's breadth, which we'll discuss in a moment, as well as uh, using uh, unclean speech or false speech, um, lush and hara, with regard to others. So let's, uh, let's pick up, I guess I'm uh, picking up here. Um, well I, I guess uh, giving advice uh, page 207 208-ish you know but uh, <coughs> concerning Rechelut this is page 210 Malashan Hara which is gossip mongering and disparaging speech, the severity of the sin is already well known as well as its extensive offshoots which are so very many to the extent that the sages of blessed memory have in fact declared unequivocally in a statement that he has already mentioned, all people stumble in the dust of and Hara. What is classified as the dust of and Hara? When a person says, where can fire be found except in so-and-so's house? Oops. I don't know
1: what that means. Hmm? Is that a euphemism?
0: Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, where's where there, uh, where's some stuff burning up, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, they're just uh, trying to, to, to left-handedly Where's that? Let I me mean, um, see if there's a footnote. On page 211. They're
2: assisting someone. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, where can fire be found?
0: Yeah, it's I mean, it's like uh, I mean, where can
1: you It says the footnote is that there's always a fire burn there, they're always cooking, and it means they're gluttonous. Okay. So it's kind of like a twice removed, because you didn't say they're always cooking. You, you didn't, didn't say, say so they're gluttonous. Means, right. You said there's always a fire
3: burning. Even in circumlocution, you're right. so what? Yeah, so what it's so. really
1: saying is that
3: you really can't be thinking poorly
1: of people. Right. Because if you're thinking poorly of people, you end up saying stuff like trying to hint...
0: Yeah, you're mm-hmm. hinting, and that's a very clever it's like a way of... a double point. hint. Yeah, it's very clever, mm-hmm. but it's sin, is basically what it is. That's what we're saying, it's sin. And that's not the kind of life
4: we want. Because it's the effect that really matters. Cause in some forms of harm or anxiety. Right, and, and a lot of it is due Like I know the various laws of Lush and Hara deal also with the assumption based on the listener you right. might be making not an implication, to you. right? You might you might be perfectly innocent, but if the other person can possibly take it the wrong Draw way, some that's a problem. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's exactly right. It's character assassination before someone's even met the person. Right. In, in many cases, anything that can result in damage or degradation to one's fellow, whether spoken in or not in his presence, Hashanhar,
5: abominable to the only present. Plus, That is a difficult one because you a lot of times you'll start describing somebody you'll start a story off by describing that person what they what they visibly okay. look like and without yeah. even thinking about it, you're in your own mind deciding how you see, how you perceive that person and then you describe the story and you're already kind of shunning that person yeah. before you describe it I'm at go right through you already you are
0: it's yeah it's a difficult one and it, uh, it it reminds me of my mother of blessed memory Um, She she was working on her doctorate. I was at the time working on uh, getting through pre-med so I could go to medical school. And uh, I was home at Christmas one time. And and, uh, she mentioned just in passing that she thought she'd be the first Dr. Squichurini in the family. So uh, I thought that was pretty cool. A little bit of a challenge coming here from Mom bring it and uh, she started going to uh, New York University and she got accepted on merit and uh, she started going to this class and it was on uh, music theory and uh, she was absolutely taken by her professor Former military man, he still wore his uniform. He's a short little guy, she said. He's about 5'2, five 5'3, five but always looked sharp, crisp, pressed, swanky. Very well spoken. He came into the class and immediately <laughs> silence. He didn't have to say a word, he just walked in. He's present, unbelievable. He walked over to the piano.
5: Bah.
0: He'd look at a student and say, what note is that? Well, I don't have perfect pitch. She'd well, you don't need perfect pitch. You should be able to tell that that's a D, a D, a D. just has this resonance and tone to it. I mean, just, you need to learn what a D is. Yes. You know, she's sharing these, these stories. She's obviously completely taken by this guy. So, uh, I was home on leave, and I... Uh, my dad was working at the fire department that night And uh, she was going to be driving into the city to go to, to school And I offered to drive her and spend some time with her So we had a great time <coughs> talking on the, on the uh, Long Island Expressway And, and then uh, we got there and parked and went inside And she introduced me to Professor, former Colonel Haggerty Short little guy, in his dress greens, looking swanky, breast. Very nice. Guy's black. We went through the rest of the class. He was astounding. We got in the car. I looked at my mother and I said, you didn't tell me he was black. And she looked at me with absolute innocence. And she goes, I never noticed. Yeah. I never noticed. And it would never even occur to me to describe him that way. And now... Some 30 years later, I realize that's how we should see people. And I don't mean just color of skin, by any means. I mean, she saw the best in this man, and she related only the best. Whether he was black, white, pink, didn't matter. Whether or not he burped when he ate his salad, didn't matter. I only heard the best, and met the man in the best light. Great example, great example that I'd I'd like to follow. All right, anything else on uh, on the lashon hara?
5: So, what part of chapter eleven are we in? Because that's kind of a large chapter. <laughs> no, it's, it's a ginormous <laughs> chapter. It's only like hundred We're just boxes. walking
0: through so. each thing he goes through. So that's. Um, that was what we were going to start uh, talking about um, the whole speech thing. Yeah, skip forbidden fruits. Hmm? Forbidden fruits? Is that the. Uh, that was the one prior to it. Is that the uh, kosher? Yeah, I, I meant to start there. I'm oh, sorry. Good, good catch. That's um, While
4: we were on the subject of Russian. I was yeah. going to ask what, what, what's sort of the definition, in your opinion, of flattery? You mentioned flattery here and there, and, like, Nishinhara, yeah. you know, you, you, you can kind of deduce that just based on, okay, evil speech, even if I'm not talking bad about anything, but flattery is a tricky one. I'm naturally very... Fletchless? Like, you know, oh, just, I, just I... Like I, I know. <laughs> <flat-tool>. <laughs> I'm trying to... is I'm on the road, That's right. I naturally like to compliment people and, and I, am, I am sincere about it but at the same time I wouldn't want to cross over the line of sure. flattery at all and so is flattery basically deceitful like deceitful compliments or what? I don't know what the other guys would say I don't
0: know that I would call it deceitful but I mean it's not I mean my, my upbringing and my understanding of Proverbs is that it's never good for the person flattery spreads a net that's a quote. So do we really want to do that to anyone, friend or, or enemy, client or otherwise?
5: Someone's That's undeserving or it, it has
0: nothing to do with whether it's factual or not, but if we flatter someone, it spreads a net before them because they're gonna get tripped up on it. Mm. Well just by is always taught.
3: Which may not be true, but because some Christian mm. taught me this. But they said, well, Your <laughs>
0: former father or um, Mother, mothers Was it former Christian? <laughs> but
1: they said the flattery is, um, is compliment on something that the person has no control over. So um, that's it. Tricky, though, not to compliment.
5: So then you would not flatter someone for having great hair, which you could flatter them on oh. dressing quite well. Oh, or their nice. hairstyle.
0: If, if a guy's really tall and you say, you know, man, you, yeah, wow. Bet you paint sillings and than a little Yeah, right? But he had nothing to do with it. Mm. So why would you <clears throat> praise him for something that God did? You're praising the wrong mm. player kind of thing, right?
5: So there's two so different kinds of flattery. then: Flattery for things you can control and then flattery for things that you can't. And if it's things we can
0: control, then, again, I think we're spreading the net and we're just... You know, we're going to potentially puff them up and cause them to fall into the lack of humility thing that we're going to get into you know if we manage to get that far in this chapter so complimenting, sort of complimenting. Where is that
5: complimenting and flattering yeah
0: where's that that's a fine line. Yeah.
5: I, th- I think
3: there's also some there's an aspect of intent to uh,
0: Where like, are do you doing yeah
6: if you're I mean if you just generally. You know, genuinely complimenting somebody. That's one thing. Flattery sort of has this, it denotes a little bit of,
2: mm.
6: <coughs> you're using your words um, with maybe an ulterior motive sometimes, or mm. to manipulate mm. how they think or how right. they feel about you or them it's or something. You know? yeah.
0: Even I mean, if it's just like that you want
1: kind? them to like you. Right, mm. exactly. Rebellion. Which I was at a networking event one time where if they said been, that you had to introduce the person like you were paired up with, but you but the trick the but the limitation to it was that you couldn't the, you couldn't introduce this person. You, you couldn't even talk it this at, in the whole conversation about what you do, about what your profession is. That it was the the whole idea was to stay away from identifying yourself like that or identifying someone else as such so because it's just that's what a lot of people do so so it was, so, so they, Schumacher. they said you should pick something that you should pick a, another characteristic <laughs> about this person that you know it's like so so here's Bob one of the most thoughtful people I know and I'd like you to meet him or something like that you know just
0: how would that yeah. go along the lines of would that Set so, the net too. I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. Right. You know, in that kind of case. I mean, you're you're not trying to endear yourself to him, um, and you're certainly not putting the guy down, sure. right? Because you're looking for a good quality or character trait that you've seen. I don't see a problem with that. Um, if you were to milk it, know, You know, so, <laughs> hey, you know this is Bob, one of the th- most thoughtful men I've ever met, and and you know I mean, really what? by the way you should see him with a yeah he is on oh, <laughs> the top you know and he uh, yeah, even face. has socks in your sure
5: if you're petting him
0: at the same time yeah if, if if most people would wonder why you're not sucking on his sock toes you know then you yeah, think then he looks good clothes yeah, yeah take this guy to the beach he's <laughs> yeah, good you hey, anyway, that's a good question good, good, good. <laughs> Right, so we're backing yes. up uh, to Peter's point back yeah. to 199, 200. Um, Our I mean, pages are the, off, by the way. The hair's breadth. Well, you can find the page numbers in yours, too. It is not have the
1: art
4: school.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, you're not know, at the art school? Not Sorry even at this. Mine's okay. free,
5: though. Yeah. <laughs> Happy back then. I can lend you $9.99 if you need. Yeah. Uh, would you charge me interest? Then, uh, of course not. It's not allowed.
7: Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: I just so, got to
1: from their
0: this, conversation. This thing here was pretty shocking. Um, Damages your soul. What's that? Damages your soul. Yeah, the hairs breadth between kosher and non-kosher. You know, if it were poisonous and you were told, uh, we, we spilled a little rat poison on your steak. Uh, you know, it's only on the left side of the plate. I mean, it's really not that much. But would you send the plate back? I mean, mm. come on, right? Um, Put a knife to your jaw if you are a master of your soul. Um, I was, I was surprised. Um, how much difference is there between most of the trachea and half of it, no more than hair's breadth? So, how remarkable is this command that we should uh, eat, eat kosher? And that our soul is defiled, not just our body, by these unclean foods. What's the obstruction of you yeah. yeah. like we'll t- and Hashem? Yeah. Amen. It's like a speed bump, <coughs> an unnecessary speed bump. And if our goal and desire is to get uh, connection with Hashem, why, why are we. Why would we work on everything else and deal with it? One thing I read in there was that it
1: they only use the front half of the cow, is that a fence? I was just no,
7: curious That's a Torah that. command. Okay. Because well, it's based on of the Torah of command. Right. Right.
1: right, to not use the sciatic nerve. Right. Yeah. Actually, yeah. the she bigger is concern the is not the sciatic nerve, okay. it's
7: the fat. Okay, There's a special type of fat that is found in the back half of cattle, um, I think it's cholev. I think it's the cholev fat. It's when you read in the Torah, it says, "Do not eat the fat." That's for the offerings. That's specifically what it's talking about. It's a special that's type of is fat. Months. It's not the same type of fat that you would find on or the around the, that's why the uh, uh, other parts of the animal. That's why the uh,
6: um, Hebrew National commercial: you no know, ifs, ands, or buts. And it shows the
5: hind quarter of the wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's what There's it's, a really cool picture if you just Google it. You can uh, Google um, yeah. kosher parts of a cow and it like breaks up the entire cow for you. And land. what's the the late term I mean the that's cool. The terms for that cut if you
3: ever is there a particular Is not Filet Mignon?
4: Yeah, filet mignon <laughs> is out. Is out. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah, that. If you Google and um, if in yeah. it yeah. it yeah. you Google kosher right. it, it will actually break down individual sections. It will you actually line. name it by the steak. Yeah, ribeye steak. Ribeye. It'll say like. Yeah. But the you roast, need to be careful. Brisket. The ones
0: that in, in in a generic type of picture like that, that it'll name as non-kosher. Some of them are actually kosher. It's just that you can't buy them normally because of the sciatic nerve, not because of the fat, but because the sciatic nerve is so near it, you need a very skilled kosher butcher. If you go to to Israel,
7: Ah, you can get a lot of these cuts of meat in Israel Israel, because there's enough market demand that they actually do have butchers who are trained to do it correctly. It's just that it's not worth it in the U.S. So they normally will sell the back half of the cow to a gentile who make use of the meat rather than spend the time to carve up the specific pieces out just right. Because you have to be a surgeon to do it correctly. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, so.
3: now, can I ask one more question? Just, just about this. Mm-hmm. But it involved, it's, most butchers are now <clears throat> Muslim. Do the Muslims follow that particular law?
0: It doesn't really matter to me
6: responsible does, doesn't does matter. Matters. I know the it wouldn't matter to you, but it
3: matters to me for a particular reason that may not make sense to you, but most butchers are going there. I'm just well, see I'm just trying to see. If that's the case then I shouldn't see the meat on the market.
2: You should. I mean the tour is black and white about like meat that we can eat. So if we're if we've made a decision to acknowledge it then it's pretty super clear. Yeah. If we haven't then we're just we're still, we're trying to get that. But as far as, Muslim, I, know, I'm
3: just, I the Muslim
7: tr- uh, element of it is more about like the a mu- a Muslim butcher has to eat, traditionally prey over the meat, right. um, which to me is eating meat offered to idols, which is its own particular monster. So. Sh-
6: that there's two issues with halal meat. Of
3: yeah,
6: And kosher, it's not kosher. Because I, I, I was uh, at one point some of you have heard the story, but given the opportunity, yeah, you know, I had to do extensive research on this. Uh, and <laughs> my initial thought was that um, it was uh, it, my initial thought was it was kosher, and it was only an abodesera issue, which means I could eat the meat anyway. But as I did more research, um, the halal method of slaughter
3: is still not a kosher method of slaughter. So <clears throat> yeah, because they can stun and the yeah. blood stops and yeah, yeah. doesn't come out. All that I, yeah. I understand that. It's just kind of wondering about.
6: But
4: you, you have a, you, you, you so you have a kashrut <clears throat> issue and, and a false worship issue, right? right. And cool. it's this it's this kind of line of thinking that he mentions in this book about how you know relating like blood and like the mixture of meat, and milk, and various things to like <coughs> poison. You know, just that little bit yeah. to really yeah. tip it over the edge, it, which is why like we kind of went the route that we did in terms of kosher meat, because mm-hmm. there aren't a whole lot of other areas of life where it's as easy as it is with kosher meat. That's like, right. you have someone else take care of it for you, he puts a stamp on it, you trust the stamp, you're good. Yeah. That that doesn't happen very often. And <coughs> like we're blessed to have Trader Joe's so close, <coughs> yeah. because they, they provide various kosher meats, I mean, turkey, ch- um, chicken, and beef. Yeah,
0: I am, um, I, I was sorely convicted in this portion um, of the book about that. Because how can I sit and claim that I want closeness with Hashem and at the same time play games with what I'm putting in my body? That that years ago uh, enemy combatants would eat the heart of their enemy. You know, Here's there's a game. Like the yesterday. Yesterday. There, there's
6: like a YouTube video of somebody doing that, in some ISIS dude doing that yeah, in, in sure. Syria. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They still
0: yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> not that there's any
1: problem with eating the heart if it's properly
0: cash rooted. <laughs> Sure <laughs> the human heart's always going to be a problem. The well, yeah. so human heart's That's not allowed to be yeah. you know, so, at So, <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm trying, trying to... Uh... That's a lie. To I'm not trying to <laughs> do anything. I have to
2: look at it. You're looking so good. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that this book really helps and all do is it puts everything in like a life or death situation. So it's like, would you would you wake up and say shema if it was a matter of life and death? And this hairsbread thing, everything in this book is everything is. It's like we don't understand it. it, Well,
6: since I got to since I read ahead because I thought it (laughs) was a different chapter, the next (laughs) attribute you know abstinence.
3: What one,
0: one more or now
6: we're we're putting you know, you know we're putting stringencies on ourselves. Right. Um, then you I know mean, that, that takes stuff to a whole <laughs> other level yeah. You know it, it, because now <coughs> the goal is not to be a Zadiq.
0: Right. It's to that, be a chassid. Right. We're, so we're you know, Zadik is, Zadik a, is cake. Yeah. yeah. Zadik. yeah. Zadik. Zadik. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Okay, Zadiq less. Right, right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, before next, I
0: forget, I, I realize you got something. Um, let's pray for Taylor. Yes. Um, and one of the very first guys I ever met down here in Charlotte when we moved down here nearly thirty years ago uh, was Stephen Woodlock, and uh, he's a client now. His uh, his father, of blessed memory, passed away during the summer, and. Uh, um, I had the privilege of uh, attending his, uh, his funeral and I've known their family for a long time. Stephen is my age, within a couple of days, and uh, his wife was battling cancer last year, past two, three years, and, uh, and she kicked it. She's in remission. And uh, when I went to the funeral, of her father-in-law, she was the only one in this long family um, greeting line. I was sitting down; they brought a chair in for her because she was weak—chemo, radiation, etc. Um, over the Thanksgiving weekend, she uh, she went to renal failure; kidney stopped, and uh, they've got her in the hospice house now. And my friend Stephen has been by her side for two solid days, night and day. So if we could just lift up Stephen and enjoy Whitlock um, there's few things that give me great applause with the idea of, uh, of being a widower at my age is, uh, is a little more than I can bear. So, do your praise. Let men. And I'll just close this out. I'm going to pray for Taylor and for Joy Whitlock. Stephen Whitlock is uh, her husband. Let's pray.
6: just lift up Taylor to you. Pray that you would just um, uh, extend a healing touch to him. Uh, He is at the urgent care facility with pain in his left side and other symptoms. Pray that it would not be anything serious. Pray that you would give doctor's wisdom. Pray that you would give him a complete, speedy recovery. And um, Pray that you would just uh, give him and, uh, and Lori as well just peace um, about the situation and uh, that you would uh, just allow this to be uh, just yet another testimony that he could share with folks who had uh, brought healing in a time of need. And uh, pray that you would honor his his godliness and his righteousness uh, that you would have mercy upon him uh, for healing I would also lift up Joy and Stephen I mean I don't know them personally but I know that Joseph knows them so that's all I need to know and so I pray that you just bless them that you would uh, that your will would be done
0: we know that you are able to heal Thank you. Um, we know that you
6: are able to work miracles mm. yes. we know that you are able to bring deliverance so if it be your will we pray that you would work quickly, swiftly to um, bring joy to a point of um, stability in her health Mm -hmm. um that she also would be able to shout from the rooftops about the great deliverance that you brought her and her in her healing and her recovery from cancer Mm i would pray that um you would give them strength spiritually physically emotionally i pray that you would um you would not allow them to be overcome with fear or doubt because you have not given us a spirit of fear but a spirit of love peace and a sound mind so we ask that you would um, that you would work in the situation again give doctors wisdom and if it be your will we pray that you would completely deliver joy
5: Mm.
6: but if it be your will that it's time for her to come home as it were then may uh, may you prepare all uh, all the hearts of the family may you prepare her heart and may whatever the outcome be may you draw everyone closer to messiah yeshua as a result and we just trust you for it oh,
0: Father, I'm grateful for these guys. I uh, am blessed to have them in my life. And uh, oftentimes, we don't know how to pray. I want you to hear the killjoy. I would. I would like to see you do that. For Stephen's sake. Because he is a righteous man, Father. He desires to serve you and to do your will. And in the merit of our Savior, in the merit of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I pray, Father, that you would. You would reach down and heal this woman. And give her more time with her husband. I recognize that you are the righteous one. You're the king. It's in your hand. But you've made it clear that we don't get oftentimes because we don't ask. And I am asking. Not for myself. Not for Stephen. Same for Taylor. Father, I pray for Lori. And the merit of your son that you would quickly heal him, bring honor and glory to yourself. Help us to pray. Intercede on our behalf, Father, because we need that. Help us to serve you now in the rest of our study. We thank you for the privilege, the opportunity, to come before you and to ask. We pray these things and come before you only in the name of the righteous one, the Messiah, Yeshua HaNotsui. Amen. 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 <coughs> Nobody likes praying after me. <coughs>
3: I was going to, but then he did. I'm not going to pray. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Who's going to do that? Is, that is I'm just, just kidding. Very concise. Covered in. Good man. Very good, good man. I want you to pray at my funeral. <laughs> what, what are we <laughs> praying for at your funeral? Yeah, I would not think he'd pray. For me? Not for me. He might <laughs>
5: want to be <you laughs> my Although that could be I was going to say, I wanted him to pray before
2: your funeral. Well, we got. A righteous man prepares his funeral. Because when you're constantly thinking
3: about your death day, you act right. Doesn't this lead to the resurrection of the dead?
2: Johnny, what were you going
1: to say? Just to your comment earlier about how the words regarding the the kosher section really struck you. Um, You know, after conversations with Greg at his Arab Shabbat table, after conversations with Peter, um, I have, as of a few months ago, moved away from um, you know, any combination of poultry and dairy, and I'm only eating kosher meat as well, and if I hadn't made that decision before now, the way he put it in this book would have made me put an immediate stop
0: to all heretofore mentioned non-kosher. It really, yeah. is, it really is hard to read through this the way he lays it out. It is. And not dismiss it. It's very difficult. If a food were to be laced with poison, would a person be lenient with himself as to eat from it? If he were left with any suspicion as to its safety, even if it only a slight suspicion, of course he would not be lenient
2: or up in always says like if you're, if you're at like someone's house and they have had stuff because there's always the balance for someone who's starting this walk it's like oh I don't want to be rude he's like well if you were allergic to something like would you sorry I don't want to be rude and you just eat it and you break out like, of course not so he uses that now it's never really helped me when I was starting to just say no well
4: in, in regard to the, uh, the, dinner program, the, the little bit of poison idea <laughs> what about uh, that, what this made me think of is eating at a non-kosher restaurant, but eating vegetarian. So everything's being prepared in the exact same kitchen. So you know. I mean, you're obviously ordering consciously, aware of what will be coming: vegetarian or fish. You know, but it's not. You don't know what's going on back there. It's not a kosher kitchen. It's not. That's not its purpose. You know, they're not being extra careful. What? I don't know. Like we I saw them it in here. That. I saw him actually
3: state that in here about kosher utensils. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well not just so, utensils,
7: I mean you're also running into ingredients. I mean that's well, the thing is like if you've ever cooked like like the kind, if you go to a restaurant it's anything up to its snuff. It's not taking um a piece of fish and slapping it on some broccoli and putting it on a plate. They're putting stuff on it, they're putting a sauce with it, they're putting it in certain types of butter, they're you know, whatever it may be that they're doing to it. The point is, though, that like you're gonna—I mean, you don't know what's in it.
3: Well, my my reasoning for kosher utensils is because my family's very very sensitive to gluten, and you can't go into a place and ask for a gluten-free p- item if they don't prepare it on a separate counter and separate dishes and separate kosher type of a situation, separated. So. They, you know, we can't eat anything if it's not prepared in that way, so. Yeah. If it's a little crumb in that regard, then I don't think you should be
2: eating anything it was, in that restaurant. That also just goes to show, like, one of the things that helped me, starting out, was my friend Jonathan's like a health freak. So he would tell me, like, when I was traveling, he was like, um, if not Jonathan, I'm doing another guy. And he was like, yeah, we don't know where the meat's from, like, don't eat it. Like, here, I'll call my food. And like, that is just a regular Christian guy. But I was I was like, man, if this guy keep kosher. I'm just watch Food, food Inc., and that'll, yeah. that'll that help. Yep. I was like, this it's guy scary. can do it. I actually know mm-hmm. what's right and wrong. Like, he's doing it unwillingly, and he's more righteous than I am. So, what's one of the things I really appreciate about the <clears> Jews and New <clears that throat> was just, like, the Jewish mindset is, like, non kosher food is not an option. Like, you either eat at a coast restaurant or you don't go out to eat. Like, it's never, like, an, an option for them. Like, they just, they just don't think about it. It's almost, it's like a Navy SEAL if you told him to quit. Like, a lot of that stuff doesn't register with them. Like, it doesn't, it's not in there, so. There. Other comments? What? Uh, Kobe, you mentioned it, like, earlier. Before we start to
7: take out stock in Gleibermans. Gleibermans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, uh, you mentioned like dealing like eating at someone else's house and like um, I feel like at some level people's like people can understand a perspective of like kosher meat to a certain degree because you can always give that as a heads up like hey just as an FYI we eat fish and, and you know vegetables but um, the only meat we eat is kosher like you can that's what you would do if you had an allergy like you wouldn't show up at someone's house and be like Oh, I'm sorry. I'm allergic to peanuts. Maybe I should have told you in advance. You know now that you have this peanut-crusted chicken, like you would. You get them a heads up so that they wouldn't accidentally serve you something you're allergic to. I don't think that's the problem. No, but so my question is like, I guess how do you maintain that? How do you maintain that certain care and grace with regards to? Because I think the way you take this book, it's got to be totally kosher, hexer stamped everything. There's no other option. And it, prepared by a Jew. That's that well, I mean, right. <laughs> also true. That is because you're training. I mean that that certainly is the definition of kosher. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, which means you really can't eat in anyone's house that's not in this room. Well, you uh, might not be. even eat at my house. yeah, or, yeah, I, or mine actually, technically. You know. So. I
5: know. Well, I, I think so. We're going about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we'll be over to tomorrow. have on regular basis. <laughs> I think. I think Paul speaks
3: to that.
0: And uh, you know, I think my brother is uh, is probably the best example I've ever met of it. Um, I've had I've had Greg and Gabby over for dinner, and I mean, there's just not a more gracious man. And you know, he's he's the yo-yo that started this whole thing. You know, eating the kosher meat and cash rooting this kitchen and the whole thing. But I tell you what, he is unbelievably gracious. He knows that I know where he stands. But he didn't come over to my house and say, I, I want to see the sticker. Where's where's the sticker from the meat? Show me the package, the meat. Right? So there's a level of trust that he's putting in me. That's called love, right? And at the same time, I'm trying to go above and beyond koshering the oven, making sure everything's cool that way because I want to honor him because I love him. So, to me, Going over somebody else's house within the community is nothing but a blessing. I think we have the ability in those cases to live out the scripture in so many myriads of ways. It's extraordinary. Um, I think there's a degree of caution that we need to bring to our walk as we begin to visit those that are perhaps new to the community new to the lifestyle, and so forth. And we may want to offer them perhaps a little bit more guidance. I'm not only allergic to <coughs> sin, I'm allergic to, you know, and, and we could just perhaps a little bit more guidance and, and offer. You know, if, if you've got any questions on this, we'd love to love to help you with that. You know, um, maybe maybe cooking us, you know, that big side of beef is not the best meal. Maybe... Maybe just having some fish together would be great, or something along those lines. Um, and then I, I, I think even a step beyond would be to be invited over to someone else's house that's outside the community, perhaps even outside the faith. And when I say that, I don't mean necessarily outside of Christianity, but outside the walk. Right. So. Well, in, if I can just yeah. throw in my my two cents.
6: So. Um, you know, I, I think naturally as we continue to study and, and you know, it this, this is a it's a walk, it's a progression, right? We're going to as you know, as we've read already, you know, you are there's gonna be a natural tendency to want to be more scrupulous as it were in observing certain things, right? That, I think that's a good thing uh, it's a good thing especially if we keep the piety in the context of grace and mercy
0: Amen.
6: right, because you know, if I happen to you know, eat whatever that's not at whatever standard right, even if I happen to eat trafe unknowingly I'm not going to hell Right. This is not the salvation right. issue. Right. right? Um, so I think we need to we need to be proactive. We need to be uh, vigilant, and you know we need to be taking steps uh, in our own homes and etc. But especially when we live in the Galut, you know we are not, we are going to come in contact with stuff just because that's how it is. That's where we are. And, you know, um, and, and since it's not possible for us to just move into the Orthodox community and hold, and kind of fully participate like we might want to, you know, we're dealt, the cards we're dealt with, and I think we have to always keep grace and mercy at the you know, front and center of everything. That we're doing right. So, um, uh, so having said that, you know, when it comes to eating, first of all, I, I'm not usually invited to somebody's house that doesn't already know me pretty well. So, if they know me, then they know I keep kosher. Now, whether they fully understand what that means or not, <laughs>
7: right.
6: they know that I have a standard. Right, and so um, even my Christian friends, if they were to invite me to their house to eat, they're not going to certainly they're not going to put a pork chop on the table, mm-hmm. right? Because they know that they know I keep kosher. However, they understand that, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, especially you know, if you're wearing you know if you're if you're wearing a kippa and tzitzit everywhere you go. Um. People are going to. You're, it's not going to be a surprise for them to learn that you have a particular standard in how right. right? So, uh, so I think you know I, I, I'm not going to probably accept invitation an invitation to go eat at somebody's house that I you know don't know or have only met once or something. That's probably not likely to happen, you know. Uh, but then there's those situations, and if I if I can, um, I'll use a recent situation. Um, uh, Colby's family had a little um, uh, get together in Wilkesboro. Um, I don't know, maybe a month ago or something, three or four weeks ago. Just to when they got back from their little excursion up the East Coast, his family did a little thing because not all of them were able to come to the wedding, and some of them hadn't met Michaela yet. So mm-hmm. they they had a thing at the country club up in Wilkesboro, and we went up there and. He's really cool, great family, you know, his parents are are, are just awesome. You know, and, and the, the meal was chicken and green beans. Green beans <laughs> and chicken and beef, you know, good so, old southern yeah, cooking, old right? So, yeah. And so we go through the line and you know, we we eat what we feel like we can eat and we don't, which include, which meant we didn't eat the chicken, right? Which was kind of the main course. Well, we're fine. I mean, it's not like we're starving or anything. I mean, I'm not going to waste away, right? So, <laughs> but um, but good thing. But you know, but you know, Miss Judy Foster, you know, um, just uh, I love your mom. I love your dad too. Just But you know, she realized afterwards, you know, that we didn't eat the chicken, you know. And she she called Gabby and was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I I I didn't realize and this and that. And, and then I think they scolded you for not, you know, why did not you tell? You know, I <laughs> <you know, laughs> got, got all over the fucking you know. <laughs> And, um,
1: and uh, what's wrong and, with you, boy?
6: You know. So we've got another event with them coming up, and you know, and Miss Judy was like. I'm going to do veggie lasagna. (laughs) So she's like going out of her way. And and one of our one of the principles we have in in our home is we recognize that we live in the gutter. We recognize that 99.9 percent of the people that we you know associate with
0: don't have
6: don't have don't have the same standard or will never have. Don't you know are not interested, right? right? And we're not here to impose our standard on anybody else. And if I'm going to somewhere, if I'm at a Christian event or whatever, I don't go expecting them to to
3: accommodate. Have,
6: to accommodate me. Right. I mean, why would I want you know the 99.9 percent of the people to accommodate the 0.1? Right. That that's an unreasonable that expectation. So that's just we just deal with it, yeah. right? We either
0: take our own food or we eat what we can and we don't eat what we can't but to your point by God's design not out of his hand not an accident but by his design we've been born and live in the exile it's as simple as that he could have chosen that we grew up in a kosher home in Israel as Jews as Jews We were not chosen for that life. We've been chosen for a different life. I would like to think that he expects more and grants us the grace and the conviction and the courage to step up. I just don't think we realize what kind of courage and what kind of step up he's requiring or asking of us until we read something like the like Ramkal has written. And then you realize oh that's me. Alright. Do we need to say anything else about kosher? <laughs> Yes, but Obviously, I really have to have a situational conversation with my wife. I like to call it pots. You wait, I that's want good. To.
3: Yeah. We need to have conversations with our wives. I think every day is a good thing. It's a good time to have Situation. Situation. <laughs> I
0: try to do one. Uh, I try that's to do two times. That is try to manipulate things. This is a situational kind of conversation. Don't be
4: flattering. No, no. You look gorgeous. gorgeous. <laughs> do not right. talk
1: obsessively with a woman in one's own life.
3: Hashem
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. ah, remains constantly mindful of them until he meets out the word. appropriate punishment and one of them is hurtful. Speak did we want to say anything else about hurtful speech? We talked about, I think, the good side. where We are spreading a net and we're talking very kindly about people, but um, you know, truth be told, I'm from New York, and that's not the norm for...
1: I went through some of the Chofetz uh, the Chaim's Shmirat um, mm-hmm. Halashon stuff a couple years back, and it's really powerful stuff you know because the guy he makes the example of this guy who's going around the communities you know saying bad stuff about the rabbi and and um, all of a sudden comes down with a uh, you know uh, attack of guilt you know and goes to the rabbi and asks hey what what can I do to make up for this he tells him I want you to take two feather pillows slice them up and scatter their feathers to the wind come back to me it's like alright so he goes, does this and he comes back he says alright Rabbi I did it, w- anything else you want me to do he's like yeah I want you to go gather up all the feathers now it's it's when he tells him to do this it's that he re- that he realizes that some things, once you've done them, you can't undo fully them. undo them. You can try as you want, but you know there there are things that you can't correct.
0: This is like a negligent discharge. You want to keep that muzzle pointed in a safe <laughs> And bring <laughs> that bullet back. Exactly.
1: So, um, you know, it was a really neat couple studies that I did, and I'd be happy to share it with any of you guys that... I'm uh, interested, but it's it's super super important. Obviously, we you know we know that from the the six remembrances. You remember um, Miriam also, and and so um, just not to uh, underestimate it.
2: I
5: like uh, his uh, change changes. Neighbor in public hasn't the world to come, and as what has no share in the world to come. And one of the immediate things I noticed whenever I started coming to this men's class um, was that saying something that would shame a person or pointing out a fault uh, of one of the men here is something that you just don't see. You don't don't point out uh, the shame of your neighbor. And I think I personally see that because I work with a lot of men and it's a the atmosphere that. it's like being in a locker room all day long that's just what they do they make fun of you you've been in the military you've been around oh, yeah. that and yeah, you, i think i can i can flow in that mm-hmm. real easy too. yeah it's easy to fall right. absolutely yeah. it's easy to have fun and jest with that but mm-hmm. as i've pulled myself away from that i start to see how um deep-rooted those comments start <coughs> to go and how You walk away from a conversation feeling either A, like crap because you were the one being jested against, or you feel like crap because you left somebody and you really don't know if they took that to heart or if they just let it roll right off their back. And I I found that to be one of the most uh, rewarding changes in my behavior was not having to take that with me anymore. Yeah. Well, the the jesting we talked about a week or two ago comes
0: -hmm. under that it, that's just not the kind of humor that we can Levity. That levity is mm-hmm. inappropriate. Yeah. And even uh, Rabbi uh, Gershon, the uh, last guy home, mentions that quote. <laughs> yeah. 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 This is, you know, you just cannot remind Baal Chuba of his former sin. It's not a discussion. It's not a point. It's not a. It's not something we need to talk about. It's just. It's just wrong. So.
7: I thought like the whole standards on slander were crazy high. I the one that was most interesting to me was the, uh, the guy, you can't speak one's praises in front of his enemies.
3: Mm.
7: I mean, that's like, I mean, to the point where it's like you're not just worried about are my words bad. But what's the impact of my words? Well, that's what you were saying, Greg. It's
0: yeah. what the recipient is going to
7: to get. Because mm. I think that's one of the problems. Is it's like uh, just thinking about that has gotten me to be a lot more careful. Because I think a few months ago, my wife and I really started like trying to pay attention to this issue and really trying to watch it. And you know, as you start trying to cut out, you know, saying unnecessary negative things about somebody or whatever else. But then it's like, it's the more you think about it, or I think about it, look at it, and it's like, well, yeah, but, you know, just be, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, unbelievable. And I'm not even talking about like that, where it's like, you're really being righteous. I mean, talking about like the middle ground, where it's like, just even avoiding like saying something, um, telling a story about somebody. Not commenting, was it bad, was it good, was it dumb, was it smart, but just simply telling a story paints that person very poorly, you know, and it's like, Huh. You know, Or asking someone a question about somebody else. Or using someone else as an example for something. Even if it's not necessarily like, intentionally negative, where it's like, oh yeah, that idiot, they did this. Even if you're just trying to relate something to get advice, it's like, you run the risk. So
0: how's Sally's marriage going
7: now? Yeah. Is she oh. there? <laughs> well, it, it, Maybe we should... Pray. She needs a lot she, of... Prayer. Well, it's like, the, it's like the classic question, uh, when did you stop beating your wife? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> You can't answer the question. No, you're still beating him mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yeah, it. Yeah. So, I also uh,
5: really liked um, the, it says, that, a curse is he who misleads a blind man on the path. Yeah. And then God's mm-hmm. right down and says, this is the duty of the just man. When someone requests his advice, he should tell him to do what he himself would do in a similar situation. And I think it's really easy when somebody asks you advice to think about what you think is the right answer. And then also to evaluate how that serves you as well, Um, especially in business, whenever you're working directly with somebody, you immediately think of, okay, if I tell them to do it this way, is it going to positively or negatively affect me and my dealings? And
3: And can I, can I benefit from that? Can I I hold up a little bit so that there's some sort of, they rely on me or some sort of? Yeah, I think yeah. it's interesting if you look at it that way. And and it's, it's,
0: it's even it's tougher in a consulting business. And, uh, so we
3: try and work ourselves out of work. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I like that. Mm. All right, so let's move move forward a little bit to uh, uh, page 214 fifteen, where he picks up
4: um, the revenge and bearing the grudge thing.
6: Hmm.
4: I, I thought that was interesting, because it, it seems like his suggestion about... There being absolutely no memory whatsoever and a complete erasing of it is right. basically a mirror image of how we would prefer Hashem deal with us. Precisely right. We Just don't like want Him plate. remembering a single thing. We <laughs> want it all completely yep. erased yeah. friend, and not brought up again.
0: Um, you know, I used to teach uh, young kids that one of the one of the attributes of God that we do not have is the ability to forget. God chooses to forget our sin. Praise God. And he literally does forget it. He remembers it no more. He casts it, as it says, in the sea of forgetfulness. But that's not a trait that we have. It is extraordinarily difficult to do that. For us to forget a wrong is a pious act. It's as simple as that. We choose... You just
7: like the duck let that water roll off your back isn't that the, uh, the, the quote that um, forgiveness is to act like the divine mm-hmm. something like that Yeah. forgive is divine so there
2: I was a teaching by the rabbis I was listening to and he was talking about forgetting so if Hashem is God, like if he creates everything then then he creates everything so he creates light and darkness darkness isn't just like the absence of light creates it. So he's saying um, Hashem gives you the ability to forget, just like Hashem gives you the ability to learn. And he was related to the Torah. So he was like, like we forget stuff all the time. So to say, so it's like, yeah, you can forget something, but we also can remember stuff too. So he's, he was, his focus wasn't necessarily on forgetting, but he was saying it was possible, And but he was more focusing on, by not studying Torah, you're not you don't keep receiving the gift, and you don't—you, you're not focusing on the good, which allows you. Like you said, it's a pious act to forget. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, I'm not there yet, but yeah. he was just talking about um, constantly consuming Torah, constantly consuming the gift yeah. and making sure remember that.
0: Yeah. Well, that was his his opening thing in this whole book, right? Yeah. Was that we need to, we need the antidote for the evil inclination. So when God created the evil inclination, he also gave us the Torah, which yeah. is the antidote to it. So if we don't want to take the medicine by studying the Torah, then, you know, we, we already have a problem. Because the the evil inclination will be more powerful than it needs to be. Yeah. Now, is there anybody that has... Trouble with bearing grudges. Nobody wants to share. I used to. Personal, okay. I, I used to. to.
1: I would just yeah. when I was in high school, <clears throat> and even through college, um, I, I would just I have I have a weird filing system upstairs anyway. So I sometimes I remember what I was wearing on certain days. as, you know, in elementary school, and in, you know, other days I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but. Um, but I just there are oftentimes i I would remember very specific things and in particular ways that people had done something you know really great for me or had really wronged me or at least in my opinion had wronged me and um it, it, after a while, I just noticed that it was really, really kind of eating away at Some me cancer. it was just eating at me and um so I I worked very hard for for years I'm still working on it but it's it is a it's an amazing blessing to just be able to whoosh, treat it as if it just has never even happened. I mean I've got friends now that I wouldn't have if I still bore those grudges. I've got uh, you, you know I'm I'm on great terms with family members who you know are it, it may not be reciprocated, but I, I don't have, I like to keep it to where I don't have any enemies or anything yeah. against anyone. Very good. Anybody?
4: Yes. Sir. i I've noticed this weird thing about myself when I was reading this because it's like, I kind of, I'm, I'm like pretty quick to forget something like when it happens and if everything stays good within the relationship, yeah. then things are, then I don't even think of whatever it cool. was. But man, the moment something goes south, yep. I, can, I, I can have recall. like immediate recall of like <laughs> all the stuff that I've stored. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And it's... A, the, so, they, I true. read a book. No, I feel that. True, Absolutely. I read yeah. this book or, or, or I listened to this guy that wrote this book called No More Mr. Nice Guy. And he was calling this thing like the nice guy syndrome where you make what he calls covert contracts. It's like where you... You're basically making a contract with the person that says, without them even knowing it, like that says, if everything stays good, then then we'll be good. But the moment it doesn't, I'm gonna remember like all the bad things that you've done, and then I'm gonna like mention them all, like as soon as you know everything yeah. hits the fan, basically, which creates like a passive aggressive tendency. Sure. And so anyway, I it, that was very enlightening when I heard that podcast. But then reading this book, I, I had thought about how subtle it could be, like the grudge part, the revenge is. Yeah, that's pretty overt, you know, yeah. but but the grudge part is so subtle when you could be doing something nice for somebody but Insinuating that you're doing this because they didn't do it for you. You yeah. know kind of thing and that's dangerous so What's what's the answer in your life to? truly forget I? Recently, I mean the most times that that happens because of just the nature of it is like within marriage you know like Morgan and I everything, you know, you just, I I have this tendency, I'll just remember a bunch of stuff in the middle of, like, a discussion that we're having or something like that, so that's where it it happens the most, but the way, like, after reading the Garden of Peace, uh, that has helped to say, like, if if I'm about to say anything negative whatsoever, even if I'm thinking it, so far, what I've been trying to work on is just keeping my mouth shut. Like just not talking. Even and then, a
0: fool is considered wise when he keeps his mouth. Yeah,
4: yeah. So and and what, what so far that has helped to kind of like say ah, I shouldn't even be entertaining like yes. these memories. Like yeah. they shouldn't even be there anyway. Right. You know, like that was such a small thing. Why would he, I haven't even thought of that yeah. until now? Like why am I thinking of that now? This is probably not a good idea. And this book has helped solidify like just praying about it. Yeah. <laughs> Going to Hashem and asking. I want to encourage
0: you to, to truly forget them. Yeah. Not just trying not to.
2: Sorry, the monk. Yeah. It's a, but to truly forget. David David says Psalm 39, and a little background on this one. He they says that he, he wrote this when he was suffering, and that God, he wanted healing from his suffering so he could get back to Torah study. So he was physically weak, but he wanted to maintain a spiritual high. So he says, so there's merit in not saying anything at all. He says, I. Well, why? He said, I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I'll put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good. Because, like, in theory, like, the self-help guru would be like, oh, you got to combat that with positivity. Like that, but, like, that's super hard. That's insanely hard. So, there's merit in just not doing anything.
3: You know, one thing that occurs to me is that I've probably offended others that they've got a grudge that can be re resurrected.
0: I've got my list. Should I bring it?
3: No, um, it's, you're not even halfway there. But I realize the value, and what does it say about a kind word? Yeah. And it's Turns like, way right. it, it, and this is really this is about us, yeah. but in regards to relating with other people and not wanting to resurrect old grudges. So that's what I I thought is it's like, oh, I can see where that's so valuable. Yeah. Because I can, there's
7: grudges that can be resurrected. Right? So For me, exactly. the two things that have helped the most lately, and I, I hear Greg on that one, and because I, I really struggle with that too. You, you don't say something, you bite your tongue when something happens, but then you're keeping the list. You're not even thinking about it consciously. It's not exactly. like you're trying to, awesome. but it just floods right back. And um, a couple of things. First off, Definitely trying to keep my mouth shut in those moments because the temptation is there, but basically kind of saying it's like, if it wasn't important enough to talk about on the day of, we're not going to talk about it. Like, basically. I mean, like, I mean, there are maybe some very, very, very rare exceptions where it's like, okay, obviously this is a bigger issue than I realize We need to address it. But basically, especially when it comes to my wife, I won't say anything. The next day, if it wasn't important enough to address then, right when it happened, or pretty close to when it happened, um, mm-hmm. once that day is over... It's done. I have to let it go. The second thing that has been helpful to me has been the Garden of Peace taking a step back and saying, It's my fault. Because, see, I, I can kind of grasp, you taught on this a lot, and I can kind of grasp the general concept of it, but it's like, What if my wife is wrong? Like, not like I you know, made the wrong decision as a family that we messed up, but what if my wife does something to me that's actually wrong? It's like, What's well, my fault? not because I didn't train her, but because there's something wrong in my life, but there's something that I'm doing incorrect, reflection. and it's, and it's reflecting that. off of her, that has really helped, because it helps to kind of tone down yeah. the anger and the frustration and the hurt, because it's like, oh wait, well, but, it's, but if I would fix this, then this would go away. The other thing that also um, I think is helpful is, the other thing that Garden of Peace talks about is not thinking negatively, because I think one of the problems a lot of times, at least from my experience in marriage, I mean, no one's trying to hurt each other, I mean let's be honest hopefully not I mean so it's like basically to kind of stop yourself and go okay I'm obviously misunderstanding this something is not like we're communicating but it's not connecting and clearly you know she would never have intentionally meant for me to feel this way exactly. so trying to just kind of like step, step back rethink it yeah. try to see it from I mean just try to see if the most positive perspective you can get and then the next thing, the last thing that I do, is I try to put it out. Because one of the biggest mistakes that I used to make when it came to forgiveness was I would try to wrestle with it until I felt okay about it, and I'd think about it, and I'd, you know, I'd try to say it was okay, and I would try to analyze it and try to figure out how it could have been good, or they didn't mean it that way. or The more you think about it, the worse you're just going to tear yourself up in a knot. So basically, um, I take like a, a hammer routine. I line up my nail, I get at my weapons, and then it's over has to be over mm-hmm.
6: uh, all of this reminds me of um, something that we that we recite every day may my God guard my tongue from evil, my lips from speaking deceitfully to those who curse me let my soul be silent let my soul be like dust to everyone open my heart to your Torah etc, etc Nullify their counsel and disrupt their design if they intend to evil against me. All of that. By the way, the Sephardic uh, uh, passage <laughs> Insert is a little expanded. It's kind of cool. Uh, I would highly recommend it. Um, but that's that's what this passage is, right? Mm-hmm. It's don't let me um, speak with lashan L- hara towards anyone, and those who do speak that against me. Help me to be silent, mm. right? Which is kind of what you were just yeah. saying. Um, and may my soul be like dust, you know. So it's that humility and it's the trusting in Hashem yeah. to
5: handle the situation. Yeah. I have a cool thing on my desk at work. I don't know where I got it from. Probably a letter for the age. There's all kinds of brilliant stuff in there, but I was struggling with the way I would speak to individuals at work, whether it be clientele who were not obeying my instructions, or whether it was those in the office that I was trying to give uh, instruction to. Um, But uh, the line uh, goes, he who guards his tongue guards his soul. And it's just a constant reminder. I think we have things in our lives (coughs) that we use as reminders before we even open our mouth to guard our tongue and and every step. it really changes the way you operate in your entire life. It changes the way you behave. So even if you don't open your mouth, it creates this action of how you are going to act rather than speak.
0: James says, if a man can bridle his tongue, he can control his whole body.
2: And just to relate that, the, the commentary on there is so it's like the tongue's the middle part. So it's the intersection of what comes outward inward and from what comes inward outward. So, Lashan Hara, we guard our tongue from the inside out by not letting it come outward, and with Kashrut, we guard our tongue from the outside in, not letting anything come inward, because it all affects our soul.
0: Mm-hmm. So good, good. Good. Nice. The other
6: thing that, you know, in chapter 11, you know, as he goes through all of the litany of discussion and examples on uh, Lashan Hara, on Kashrut, on these different, different things, it you know, in order to properly obtain the mudah um, the of Zahirut, so it, it, it presupposes that you have a comprehensive knowledge of the Torah right. commands and all of their, That's right. you know, uh, all of their right. Um, uh, nuances, right? And, and in fact, um, chapter 14 when he talks about the things that impair, I'm sorry, chapter 12, when he talks about the things that impair um, obtaining Zechirut, one of the things he mentions is he says, in addition to these, these being levity and cynicism and um, preoccupation with worldly matters, he says, in addition to these, there's also the lack of comprehensive knowledge of Torah laws or of ethical instructions, as I have written. Um, In this vein... Chazal of blessed memory have stated in the Mishnah of 025 an ignorant person cannot be a pious person. Right. And the reason is obvious for one who does not know cannot perform. Um, uh, they also said Kishin 40b study of Torah is of primary importance because it brings one to the performance of mitzvot. So, I mean, to me it, it just it, it does bring out the brilliance of the sages that you know they could they put all of these things together and, and, and just the understanding of how they all relate and how they all tie together
0: is, is incredible and, and it, it should be a motivator for us to know the Torah and it should be a buy when we're dealing with folks that are outside the faith or outside the Torah movement we should give them a bye. How can we expect them to act any differently? They are uneducated in these matters. Right. So we should give them the bye. I will tell you, gentlemen, when it comes to your, your marriage, especially, especially, um, if you have that list in your head of the wrongs that you have received from your bride, There are only two reasons that I am aware of, why that list is in your head. You think you've been wronged, and you are too good to be wronged. So it is your pride, or he gets into later in this chapter, (coughs) your haughtiness that causes you to keep that list in your head. Repent, get that list out of your head. Second, is you just have not forgiven whoever it is, and in this case, your bride who has wronged you. And because you have not truly forgiven them, when it happened, as Joshua said, in the day that it happened, if you didn't forgive them, it is in your head, and should not be. And it is a gift, <coughs> Hashem, that you can actually forgive, and truly forget. It never happened. Your wife does something to you that drives you absolutely nuts you forgive her and forget about it and the next time she does it you think to yourself it's only the first time she's done it you know, it's not a big deal that's a blessing it's a blessing from Hashem but it comes from your actions of being able to physically, literally really, in your heart recognize, you're just a shmo like the rest of us and secondly Forgiving a shmoet.
5: So I I met with uh, one of the gentlemen of Bellator prior to getting married, and one of the best advice I got, what well, best pieces of advice I got, was plan simply do not have any expectations of your bride, and you you don't think about that until you're actually married and have lived some somebody for a while, because there are little things. Like My wife doesn't like changing the toilet paper rollout, right? It's, it's, just, it's just my responsibility. It drives me physically bonkers. But I'm now actually getting to the point now where I look at it as, that's, that's my opportunity. It's a ministry. Yeah, exactly. And, and my, it, it really it baffles me. But then I actually smile now because I know that she doesn't like to do it. And so by me taking care of it for her, it relieves her of that duty. And so I always go back to that conversation of having no expectations. And I think it's a, one of the biggest blessings in a marriage or relationship to not have any expectations whatsoever. So you're never let down.
0: Amen.
6: Hmm. I, I think that's true in just relationships in general. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's your spouse
0: or friends yeah. or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. When, they, when they go above and beyond, it's just such an unbelievable yeah. blessing. Right. Well, As men, well, if I could just finish
6: what thought. Because okay. when we start to have expectations, especially if they're lofty expectations, then what have we done? We've put that person on this pedestal. Yeah. So, what happens really? the first when time they they're going up? to fall yeah, because they are humans, yeah, right? Yeah, just like I will disappoint everyone in this room <laughs> if I haven't done it at least half a dozen times already. So
1: you're not just get yet. used to
6: it, you're right? Just, I, I mean.
4: Sorry, but. It, it's, such a good reminder in like some some of the books like the Garden of Peace and the Garden of Emma not just that like as men, our expectation is really how can I give mm-hmm. that's that's our responsibility and I try to remind myself of that because that's that's a mindset that fixes so much of what we're talking about because yeah. it does all come back to pride, which it goes through so many categories of pride and and all the the various ways you could be prideful, but yeah that's exactly right it's all about like the well, I, I deserve respect. I mean I'm given love, right? That's what Ephesians I'm says. I'm giving I'm love. I, I need respect here. You know, and uh, it's just it's never never a good thing. You always have to find the ways to
2: give Yeah, the Garden of He uh, says every time any time we look to receive something, we're acting in like a family following. Yeah. Ah. pants. Who's <laughs> the girl? Yeah.
3: Well who's yeah, wearing who a, a pants? Well I didn't really I, just, I, I have a poor memory when it comes to
7: my <laughs> bride. <laughs> Like I don't, like, I don't hold. Baruch a shem because right, I'd probably bur- be divorced uh, yeah. right now. But
3: I don't, I, I don't tend to hold a list. I can't tell you, uh, but when you brought it up, the toilet roll thing, you know, sounds familiar and stuff. But it's almost like, oh, then you know, they never learn. Um, but where my grudge comes from is like relationships that matter to me, but that are not here, close for me to mm-hmm. real, to work through. Like, yeah. my brother who lives, you yeah. know, thousands yeah. of miles away or whatever. And, you know, in yeah. certain relationships, you yeah. you're, you draw... You have to establish boundaries. So, that's... Uh, I get it confused. Holding a grudge or staying firm with a... With a boundary. Conviction. Yeah, conviction. So...
7: Well, I did kind of wonder, like... He... His example... He, he really, just when you think, eh, I've done pretty good on this, you read the next paragraph in your life, never mind. Oh, well. <laughs> never mind. Um, his examples were things like, you, so you're you upset with someone because it hurts you, so then you think to yourself, well, I I'll do a good deed, but I won't enjoy doing it. Or I'll do a good deed, but I'll make a point of not letting them enjoy me doing it. Or I'll do a good deed, but I'll wait a little bit longer. You know, and it's like, Oh, my goodness. It's like, because that's what happens. It's not, like, I don't feel like most people, in this room at least, if, you're, if you've got a grudge or something, someone hurts you, you try to get over it. It's not like you're like, oh, man, I'm just <clears> carrying <throat> that around and I'm just beating them up in my head. And, you know, it's like you see, you know, they have a flat tire on the side of the road. We wouldn't, like, drive on by and wave as we go, you know. But but we might, you know, we might slowly pull over. We might think for a sex. I have time to do this. You know what I'm don't saying? Like, yeah, it's like, and so I think that's the danger is like trying to find a way, I don't even really know how to do it to be honest with you, but trying to find a way to always love them like we want to be loved ourselves. And that means, in some cases, yeah. setting yourself up to get hurt again. Yeah, because most of what it is is self-protection. Because someone didn't say thank you last time and if you do it for them this time they might not say thank you again. Or whatever the issue might be Too much bigger than that. But the point is it's like, and that, that's hard. Because that's when it's like if you, I don't know, that's thats because you, you think to yourself what? I'm just giving them an opportunity to sin. Like like I know they're going to do this wrong cause that's the kind of person they are.
5: We're making yourself vulnerable. I mean, how many people you, would, I personally can count on one sin. hand <laughs> how many people I allow myself to be vulnerable to, like, fully vulnerable. My wife's one of the few people <laughs> I personally am 100% vulnerable to. And that's what you're describing, is allowing yourself to be vulnerable innumerable times. That it doesn't matter. No matter what you do to me, I, I will always be vulnerable. Right. it's yeah, I mean, so difficult. It really, oh, huh.
7: to me, it's, it's Yeshua's words when he says, if the Roman soldier asks you to go one mile, go with him too. I mean, if you put that into context... The historical how many, context.
0: How many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Seven
7: 70. Or how about
6: um, a new commandment I give you. Mm. You shall love one another like I have loved you. Mm. That's really the whole... That's Torah.
0: That's, that's a pretty high mm-hmm.
6: That's That's Torah. Mm. Thanks for playing.
3: <laughs>
7: uh, so, uh, round conference. three
3: of this chapter next week? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it just really is extraordinary. And I, I, I think, you know, Greg, Greg mentioned it already. The, uh, when I realized it, yeah. I, I really felt. Pretty cool that uh, five years ago we started a class called a Tzavik class that would teach men to be Tzaviki. And that we were on this walk and we would learn together to be righteous men. Well, I'm thrilled that that's not good enough now. (laughs) I'm thrilled. Um, But gosh, I... I didn't get much time to revel in the, in in being a tzaddik, you know, and, and here I've i had my insides just kind of kicked, you know, to to step up to the chassid. Um, I, uh, I share with you in, in closing, gentlemen, since uh, we've, we've got. Uh, I will I will put out uh, tomorrow or the next day post. Uh, to, to delineate everything else that we'll do, and we will finish this chapter next week. So, make sure you're done with chapter eleven. Eleven, chapter eleven. Make sure you're done with chapter eleven. It's half the book. Eleven. Yeah, we're halfway through the book. So, make sure you're done with chapter eleven for next week, and we'll we'll quickly walk through those unless we've got some spots that are, are hitting some guys. Um, I just recently got involved more, more significantly involved in the safety side of the uh, Indoor pistol range, and um, had an opportunity to, to meet an Irish Catholic man uh, who happens to be the Indoor Range director. He's from New York um, You all have heard of Rikers Island, the prison um, He was the warden at Rikers Island and uh, he's, he's big and he's scary and a good job and a really good shot yeah. yeah. and um, so we bonded you know I got the accent and, and the whole deal and uh, he has he has recognized my faith and well I normally have my SIG hat on he knows he's a keeper hunter and uh, we were at a, an event at the range uh, training event and uh, he invited all of, the, all of the men and women instructors that were there to go out to dinner and you know he asked me if, you know if I would if I would come and I said no nah, that's right I, I got a pretty blonde at home I'm just going to go home to my wife and he said to, you know I can get you a kosher meal he says I'm I'm one of the few people here that actually knows what a kosher meal is I'm from New York I know I know we had the seed there I got it you know and I, I thanked him that was very kind and, and very gracious of him and uh, long, long story short I was given the privilege of, of actually working on his firearm. And uh, so I got his firearm made the, made the changes to it and told him that I was, I was ready and uh, we could meet at the range and I, I'd give it back to him. He could shoot it a little bit we'd make sure everything was working okay. And uh, and so he emailed me this past Shabbat. Hey, a little couple of questions, you know, uh, you know you, you're know, free, maybe we can get at the range 2 o'clock today. I'm, I'm going to be there, maybe you can meet me, and, and, and so forth. And, uh, so after Haldala, I, I emailed back and I said, uh, Harry, I don't, I don't shoot on the Sabbath. And we met at the range yesterday, and he would not shoot with me until... I told him that I forgave him, I forgave him because he had intruded on my Sabbath and uh, I just wanted to share with you guys that uh, without being overly pious and in your face we, we can make inroads in people's lives and share with them that Biblical obedience can be cool, and at the same time, impactful in their lives. And uh, I really feel like I've got a great relationship with this guy. He is still Catholic. And
4: for now.
0: Yeah, for now. He doesn't but sound
2: like the guy you want to be on bad terms with. So no. <laughs> yeah. uh, I
0: feel like I feel like God has provided me an opportunity to just walk the walk in front of this guy and, uh, and I'm just praying that I don't mess up and do something stupid you know, and uh, it has nothing to do with a on you know it's just uh, walking the walk so, I want to encourage you you're walking the walk in front of other people all the time and uh, my dad used to say we live in a fishbowl everybody knows us and everybody's watching And he's right. They are. And they are. you know what? They're not the ones that we care about watching. The one we care about watching is the one. The Holy One, blessed is He. He's watching, and it is for Him that we want to walk the path of righteousness. We want to walk the pious life. And I feel like we're taking a couple of steps in the right direction. I guess we're going to have to cashier the oven this week and just kind of step up. It's kind of scary to me. So, so what, is that a
6: self clean mode? Yeah. It's all clean, you're done.
0: Yeah, it's it's the moments after that that I'm more concerned about. It's like defiling the oven in the first 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> All right then. Stand by one second, gents. Oh, that reminds me. I've uh, I've been invited to uh, speak at Weddington Church again. And,
3: uh, oh, good for you. to first time.
0: Uh, I'm I'm actually going to send you the uh, invitation. Mm-hmm. I'd love it if yeah. you would. Uh, it's I'd love to fill the room with uh, just a few guys that uh, that know what's going on. When playing. is that? Uh, It'll be on the, tw- I think it's the 21st of January. Uh, so I'll, yeah, i have got some time, but uh, yeah, I'll send you a <laughs> And you will be
6: speaking on a particular topic, or what?
0: Um, yeah, I don't know if I have it right here, but uh, it's Christmas. Uh, um, interpreting the Scripture from the Jewish perspective, especially the Apostolic Scriptures. And Why Jews don't want to become Christians? (laughs) That's
3: a great one. one. Good one. I don't have fun with that one. Yeah,
0: (laughs) You could go a lot further than you're going to. You (laughs) might not get invited back next year. (laughs) Gentlemen, may you taste of the sweetness of the world to come in this life. May you see your children's children come to faith. May your end be with the life of the world to come and your deeds affect the hope Of many generations. May your heart ponder and achieve understanding of Torah. May your mouth speak wisdom to everyone you meet. And may your tongue bring forth song as you praise the Holy One. Blessed is he. May you have the self-control to look straight before you. May your eyes be enlightened by the light of Torah. May your face shine like the brightness of the sky. May your lips utter knowledge. Your heart rejoice in righteousness and your feet run to hear the words of the Ancient of Days. Amen. 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 It's my understanding that we have uh, some of Michaela Foster's fabulous bean dip. Oh, and I have some uh, pretty incredible wine. So uh, if you'd like to stay for a little bit of that real quick, just dip your finger in there. Huh? Let's have I'm some have a of light that. light
5: on the bean dip as well. <laughs> well, we're all <laughs> hoping that that's
0: the case.